This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of messing with your character to make them awesome. This week, which is Halloween week, we are going to be talking about the things that creep you out, that make you want to hide, that make you do almost anything rather than face up to them. Yes, we're talking about phobias, and to scare the living bejesus out of us, we have Amber. Amber, get that cat away from me. No, wait, no. Ah, 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 ah. Oops. He looks like he's got a little bit of a phobia. Well, you didn't tell me you were afraid of cats. So, Amber, what, what's a phobia? A fear. Are you afraid of something? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a phobia. Are you deathly afraid of something for no reason whatsoever? It's probably a phobia. Does that spider make you scream like a little girl and jump up on a table? Yeah, it's a phobia. Yeah, as I understand it, a phobia is an irrational fear. So it's not just a, an unhealthy fear, you know, like uh, you probably shouldn't play with venomous spiders or snakes, but at the same time, you know, Jumping out of a car when a spider, you know, moving car when a spider jumps down on you, that's probably a phobia. So it's not a respectful fear. No, it's not out of respect or out of, you know, a, a gained experience, a, a rational fear. It's it's irrational fear. It also could be an anxiety. It could also be an anxiety disorder where you're just in fear of things. Like a person who has one of the more common ones, which is agoraphobia, which is basically a fear of everything. More or less. Agoraphobia <laughs> is the fear of open spaces, of being out in the open, yeah. of being exposed. Whereas the opposite, which is claustrophobia, is the fear of being closed in and being trapped. So what's, what, what is the uh, fear of fear itself? That's the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So I just wanted to know what that phobia was. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the fear of fear here to see. Fear of fire? No, not quite. Uh, yes, there's phobia, phobia, which is the fear of having a phobia. Phobophobia. Yeah. yeah. But that's not a fear of fears. That's a fear of having a fear. It's not the fear of being afraid, which is, I think is something different. A lot of things that are mistaken with fears are superstitions. Having a fear of cats, unnatural and unreasonable and unexplainable, un- whatever, fear of cats... That is a phobia. If you are specifically afraid of, say, a black cat walking right in front of you, strutting its stuff, that's a superstition. And they are different things. In my experience, and I may be wrong, superstitions are social in nature. That they are stories that are told and rumors. And because you're letting yourself believe something bad will happen, you're walking yourself into something bad that's going to happen. Like the whole step on a crack, break your mother's back type thing. That's a superstition. Right. Yeah. Whereas you you can be afraid of stepping on a crack for fear of breaking your mother's back. But that is a conscious choice of you being afraid of doing something. Whereas mm. a 
phobia, a fear, is very unnatural. It's instinctual. You can't explain it. You can't control it. It happens, whether you like it or not. It's a difference between a founded fear and an unfounded fear. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I remember right, I remember hearing that as a newborn child, as a, as a brand new newborn fresh out of the womb, we are, as humans, only afraid of two things. We are afraid of heights and we are afraid of fire. And these are things that we have learned. It's, it's in our genes. We are naturally afraid of these two things because they are life-threatening. I don't know if the fire one's true because uh I see a baby put its feet face right in the fire. It says, Ooh, that's hot. I don't like and we'll stay away. I think that's something primal. I'm telling you, I, I got a three year old and she's I had to teach her to be afraid of hot stuff. Well, it's hot stuff. That's not the same thing as being as as actual fire. Hot because hot because there was fire on it. <laughs> I remember seeing a a, a a some research on fear of Falling, they did this very simple test. They actually had this glass sheet or plastic sheet that you can see through. One part was a uh, tablecloth pattern underneath it. The other part was just wide open over a, over a spot. And I can't remember if it was toddlers that would go right out there and not flinch a bit to go out over the open area, while the while the, uh, older children would hesitate to go out over the open space. So I can't remember which one of that was. But at any rate, I mean, you know, that's, we're not psychologists here, so <laughs> let's, we're talking about, you know, making our characters have phobias. Yes. Well, why would you do that? Why can't I make them ultra studly? You're, you're Scottish Muslim liberal AP class over your cheesy music, musically inclined generous virgin cheerleader princess isn't perfect. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> no, she's not. Because for all of her perks, she has her faults too. How else would she pay for those those perks? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, she's one she's one arm blind and one eye an albino. Most of the time when you play a role-playing game, the reason to give your character phobias is as a means of paying for a perk of some kind. Even though I've recommended it. Most people don't take a major flaw like a phobia intentionally without there being a in-game benefit. Right, there's got to be some kind of payout. Like if you're going to take that that flaw, you need some kind of merit or some of some some sort to pay for it. So, if you you wanted your character to be yeah, if if you wanted your character to be strong and fast and intelligent, you know, you may have to sacrifice in other well, areas. Most games have that triangle thing where you get to pick two out of three, and the get, picking the third one usually involves taking some kind of a thing like a phobia. Yeah. Well, also, it's also to round out your character. Some characters are not perfect. Let's pick a, a character we all know and love, Indiana Jones. What's his fear? Snakes. I, I was going to say intimacy. No, that's, that's all guys. Uh, so... <laughs> Anyway, he didn't have it majorly because if he had major phobia, he would have been paralyzed with fear. Uh, his is, he was just being very uncomfortable being around snakes, especially in an airplane ca- airplane seat or in the well of souls. Yeah, but he was able to function. So that to me is a mild phobia. Yeah, 
it's not like uh, unlike the uh, what's her name? Um, Kate Capshaw. Kate Capshaw's character. Thank you, Willie Scott. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely have fear of, of of bugs. Uh, I would say hers was close to being a major phobia. She was able to get pushed past it, but yeah, she had major phobia about bugs. And there are different, varying degrees of a phobia. It can mm-hmm. be something that you're just very squeamish about. You don't like being around mm-hmm. it. It can be something that, uh, to quote uh, Call of Cthulhu, it can cause temporary insane reactions. It yeah. It is really varying on how extreme the phobia is. And yeah. what you... If you're going to incorporate a phobia into your character, you need to specify exactly how severe the phobia is. If they're afraid of spiders, how comfortable are they going to be on an away mission where they're doing negotiations with spider people? Are they going to be really, really squeamish, or are they going to be running in terror? Or is their phobia going to be so bad that they're going to be trying to kill the people they're trying to make peace with? Yeah, usually with, like, let's say you're playing Fringeworthy and you, hey, you get to go to Demixie Prime. Ski, an acknowledged uh, arachnophobe, you want me to go where with five-foot-tall spiders? I mean, yeah, you kind of have to, and this is a game mechanic thing, depending on D20 or Savage Worlds, the level that you are going to be incapacitated by this phobia. Now, I'm sure Savage Worlds has, you know, you might take a minus to rolls or whatever. And D20 has the same thing. I mean, they don't have a set phobia thing. It's all third-party stuff. But they will tell you, okay, you might take a minus to will saves, or you might have the panicked condition if you are around this enough. It just depends on the game mechanic how badly you are affected by the phobia that you have chosen for your character. To give you a bit of an example, uh, if any of you have ever watched Harry Potter, Ronald Weasley had a fear of spiders. And you could see how uncomfortable and how squeamish he was when he had to go into the Forbidden Forest with Harry Potter. He did not want to be there. He was terrified. The only reason he didn't go running and screaming like a little girl was because Harry kept pulling him in place. So you can control a phobia no matter how extreme but you yeah. can't control how cool you're going to be about it in savage worlds you phobias come in two varieties mild and and major uh, minor and major so the minor major you just get a minus two to all trait tests and major gives you a minus four now i said that also it comes in play when you're when you have a fright test you're already minus four for that fright test when you when you roll, so you're you're more likely going to blow a, fate, a fright test than you will uh, than than normally you would if your phobia is present. Well, other games you, you, you uh, phobias behave a little different. I think in GURPS, I think GURPS has another way of handling phobias as well. Yeah, I forget the mechanics as well. It's been a while since I've looked at my GURPS books, but as I said, it's by game mechanic. You'll it'll determine how incapacitated you are by whatever phobia you pick. Now, I would say I would add a different another thing to that too. If you're, you if you have an irrational fear of left-handed Albanians, uh, that's not much of a phobia. Yeah, you got to take into account the frequency. Not only how badly incapacitated you are, but the frequency of what the the basis of your phobia is. Now, if you're in a horror game and you have to deal with spiders, it's going to be pretty common. But the aforementioned left-handed Albanian, unless you're in a Southern European campaign, 
not so much. What about the man with six fingers on one hand? Oh, polydactyly. Uh, poly- <laughs> po- uh, actually, there is a fear of, of polydactyls. <laughs> it's really. I was doing a Princess Bride reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, there is actually a fear of people with too many, with too many digits, either their toes or their fa- or their hands. Well, it is creepy. <laughs> not if you have too many fingers or toes. Where I'm not saying anything bad about you. I was just kidding. It's just that there, it does unsettle some people. I mean, is it? Yeah. Uh, try shaking hands with somebody who has less fingers than they're supposed to have, and they didn't warn you. Yeah, I, re- I remember the George Carlin bit. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best special effects and makeup artists in the business, and I forgot his name. Rick Baker. Rick Baker lost yeah. his, lost his little finger, so he basically has a Mickey Mouse hand. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and you don't notice it either. You don't notice it until, until you realize. Wait a second, there, because when we moved the finger, they moved in all the, all the bones as well. Yeah, his he, he does not have a stump. He, they removed all the bones. Uh, the late great James Doohan was missing a finger whenever he was on camera. Scotty he always had his hand either gripping a, a clipboard or it was behind the transporter console. Nobody knew during Star Trek's run that James Doohan, Scotty, was missing a finger. Because how would you explain that with 23rd century medical technology? Why is this man missing a finger? They just had him always, his hand always hidden. Huh. But yeah, yeah. That Anyways, about about uh, phobias. Let's see. We have that these phobias are always tied into a character's backstory. If you explain, well, my character is afraid of spiders. It's probably a good thing, at least for the basis of the backstory. Okay, why is this character afraid of spiders? Were they trapped in a haunted house as a kid? Or were they bitten by one? Or, you know, if they have a fear of barking dogs, were they or, you know, somebody they know was attacked by a dog? Which a fear of dogs would really come in bad if you were fighting werewolves like in Bureau 13. Usually, yeah, phobia, that, that's all part of backstory for the character, and that just enriches the history of that particular character. Unless you're playing a game that has a very strong horror element, which then means that you're going to gain phobias as the game goes along. Uh, Call of Cthulhu has that. Bureau 13 certainly had that with its mental stability mechanics. Savage Worlds. Yeah, you make a bad roll on the fright table, you can gain a mild phobia based on whatever scared you. Okay. I think D20 might have something that, in a third party, I want to say it's a, a blade of morale and terminal identity might have something like that where you make or you're making fright rolls based on whatever's happening at the time. Spectrophobia, sphere of ghosts and, ph- and phantoms. Yeah. But most game systems, since they essentially reset your character at the end of every adventure, you only go up. You never go down. Most game systems do not include things like phobias unless it's part of your actual character generation. You're right, Trav. Now, there's other phobias, too. I mean, there is fear of public speaking, which is more of a social phobia. You weren't scared by a very erudite um, speaker. No, there are some phobias which are a bit more mental in their aspect, and you may just have a fear of public speaking. And the last thing you want to do is get in front of a bunch of people and talk to them. So, looking back at your own characters, what phobias have you played in games? 
friend of mine's running a Warhammer 40k Savage Worlds version, and my one character has, because he's from a hive world, which is large arcologies, for those of you unfamiliar with the setting. Uh, basically, he has agoraphobia. Whenever he's outside, it's just a mild version, but he's at minus two for everything he does. So yeah, every time I go outside, outside, outside of a building or outside of a room, I, guess I have to deal with the fact that there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling up there. <laughs> Anything could drop down on you. Did there's no walls, there's, and there's, nothing's controlling the controlling the temperature, and it's hot, and there's things crawling on the ground. Well, things other than what normally crawls on the ground inside the city, but, you know. <laughs> See, you're rationalizing your fear. In fact, is, is that he probably doesn't have any a good reason for his fear. He just has it. Well, you know, no, you know, a lot of times though with phobias, people will they will come up with some rationale, and it, it, and it's not a plausible rationale. Like they would give their rationale, which would seem plausible to them, but to you, you'd be like, well, that's just crazy. That that wouldn't happen like that, you know. And that's the problem because I mean, we as human beings, we will rationalize things. Like for example, I actually have arachnophobia. I mean, I I'm much more terrified. It's mild, and it used to be worse. Being exposed to spiders more and more. Uh, has has lowered it, but I used to be like I mean excessively terrified of them, and my answer was always because they're creepy. I mean, look at the thing; it, it, they look like they crawled out of hell, you know. And of course, they're all venomous, and and uh, you know you don't know what kind of venom that thing has in it, you know. And the reality is, have I ever been bit by a spider? No, I've never had a spider bite that I know of. I've never actually seen one bite me. If one bit me, I didn't realize it. So, in all my life, you know, I'm, I'm 42. And I have yet to be bitten by a spider that I know of, yet I'm terrified of one biting me. Now, why? That's that's totally irrational. Yeah. Now, you probably have eaten dozens of them in your sleep, but you, never, you know, don't agree about that. Well, I don't know how true that is. I think that's one of those, ur- I think that's one of those urban myths. But, but even if it isn't, the, the sheer fact is I know when I go to sleep at night, it's actually likely that I've had spiders crawl across me. I remember hearing something about how in every candy bar that you eat, there's at least six dead insects that were <laughs> inside of it at some point. Uh, yeah, that might be kind of a little bit of an urban myth too, but I've been to the factory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I didn't see a big you know, bin full of, of, of bugs to add to their chocolate. Right, right. Oh, but they are talking about, you know, uh, bringing, putting more bugs into our food system, you know, like mealworms. Cause they're called mealworms for, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> You know, America is the only is one of like a very few number of countries where we do not eat insects regularly as food. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, but I I eat uh, shrimp all the time. <laughs> but they're not insects. Um, are you sure? How many legs? How many legs do they have? They're crustaceans. How many legs do they have? Eight. They share a common ancestor with insects, like uh, spiders. Spiders and crabs share a common ancestor, so they're uh, they're kind of close. They're cousins, but in all reality, yeah, I mean, people try to justify things. So I think they will come up with an excuse, whether it's ra- whether it, they'll come up with their rationale, whether it's actually rational or not. So, Peter, have you ever played a character with a phobia? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've done spiders quite a few times because it's easy for me to imagine my character in that situation. Um, I'm currently playing a character who has a, uh, a phobia of caves because uh, I wrote in his history. We were doing like a big mashup, a big cross-genre mashup. And uh, he has encountered the alien, uh, the xenomorph from Alien and escaped and lived to tell the tale. 
he has a fear of caves because when he encountered them, he stumbled into one of their biological cave dwelling type things. So whenever he gets in one, of, whenever he gets in a cave, he starts to imagine that you know the 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 biomechanical stuff on the walls and stuff, and starts every time something skitters by or he thinks it skitters by, he gets creeped out. I played a fringeworthy gynecologist. Uh, okay. My character went to a world in w- on which they had telepathic dolphins, and he suddenly discovered that he was deathly afraid of telepaths. Oh, that's a good thing to be afraid of. All the other players were like, well, what? Is you have some deep, dark secret you think they're going to like find out? And I'm like, no, no. It's, I, just, I feel like I'm not wearing any pants. Right, right. Oh, jeez. Talk about unnatural. I mean, can you get any more natural than that? Your, your only safe haven is your mind. You know, that's that's the one thing that people can't dig into. And you suddenly go somewhere where that barrier doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I can see that being very, very creepy. Let's see. For me, I, I played a character. It was based on me, and I'm a bit of a tech tard, basically. No, I, I amped that up where he really was just not a big fan of high technology. So if any future technology, he'd be just like, I'll use this relative, you know, modern day stuff here. I'm good, really. Just beca- And that is cyberphobia, which is a fear of or aversion to computers or learning new technologies. And so just, yeah, I sort of amped that up just because I, I thought it would be fun because I knew there would be high tech in the campaign. You want to talk about icons, uh, phobias in icons. You know, we, we talked about uh, um, Indiana Jones, but, but one in the, in the new Star Trek reboot, uh, Dr. McCoy was, a, was afraid of flying in space. Yeah. And uh, I remember in the series, he, he didn't like transporting either. He was, he was not a big fan of transporters. Right. What is not a phobia? I played a physical therapist in a gamma world setting where we were you know, this, uh, that woke up from deep sleep and my character uh, i i saw my character as not being combatant because uh, this, uh, her job was primarily support and therefore the very first time i got into a firefight and all of a, and i fired my gun and it went off with this tremendous bang it startled me so much i dropped it at least that's what I said. Uh, my wife at the time practically threw me to the ground and beat me up, saying, what kind of a weak-kneed female character are you playing? And I'm like, no, no, she's just startled. I mean, if you have a problem with something and it's easily surmountable, it just requires some additional experience, some additional familiarity, then you're not really afraid. Okay, It's not really a phobia you need to just get a little bit more experience. So, you know, for example, getting behind the, the wheel of a car the first time, a lot of anxiety there. You could drive it into a wall. You could die. I mean, it's possible, but it's not a phobia. If you never got over that, well, then maybe it would be. I mean, you also, I think people can convince themselves that they're afraid of something based on a chance encounter Some sometimes. I think some phobias are induced and some phobias are really are caused by a great fear or, or, or psychological shock. Oh, no, no. Right. I, I can attest to this, John, and Pip can back me on this. I have no problem with thunderstorms. Thunder, lightning, all that. The sky turns green. I have an anxiety attack. And Pip has seen me do, go through this when she was over a year ago. You remember this. No, they squeamish. I have an anxiety attack because in 1980 in the Detroit area, we had 
green skies and like, okay, grandma was in the drugstore. I had to go out to the car, get something. It was nice out. I go out there, torrential downpours, ankle high water, green skies. I was 11. We had it again in 97. I'm at work and just anxiety attack right there. And then a year ago here at my place, my roommate and Pip saw me just, and I was just, I wanted to curl up in a ball. So that was because I was trapped in out in that storm alone. And this storm was bad. It was like week without power. Trees were downed all over the Detroit area. It was a bad storm. And I was just a little kid. And ever since then, this thunderstorm, skies turned green. I'm done. <laughs> Robert is incommunicado right now. Please leave a message. I'll get back to you later. You know. So, yeah, there is things, psychological shocks, which... This is 30 years later, and I'm still just, I'm back to that 11-year kid. So there are certain things where it's a justifiable event where you just do not recover. And I think that's the problem with some games, um, when, how they deal with phobias. Like Severus Rolls, it's just a minus to your trait rolls. It, there's really no, you don't have to make a, a fright roll or anything like that to uh, when, you confront, when you're confronted with your phobia. Normally, that should actually... Cause a, a a panic attack, especially if you got major phobia, that should be an automatic fear check right then and there. You're confronted, you know, you're confronted with a with an eight foot tall spider, and you have arachnophobia. That should be right then and there. Should be an automatic fear check for you. I think yeah, that would that would be a, a GM house rule then, John. As I said, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Savage Worlds rule, but to me that sound like no, that's just not a minus to fear. That is if you don't. Suck it up at that moment. You're done. Oh, yeah. Stinky. Wouldn't it be considered like a state of berserk? Like you don't have control of your character? Well, it depends on how your anxiety attack affects you. Like like, like, like uh, Robert said. Well, I mean like if you epic fail, your fear yeah. check. Oh, you'd just be catatonic. You'd be catatonic. Yeah, you just point. sit there and you're shivering. You could be running in fear. Well, hold on. We're talking about ang- – this is anxiety. This all stems out of anxiety. Uh, that's what the phobias come from. Um, so anxiety actually triggers the fight or flight. So it is possible that you would just attack this thing like crazy. That's also another possibility. I mean if it's something that you can attack. So um, – and I'm talking about like attack it in the – Could the phobia also inspire like a sense of rage? Well, that's what I'm talking about. You would, you would flip out and, and, and attack this thing and at, at which point you may become dangerous to the people around you because let, – let, let's look at the movie Aliens. There's several scenes in there where the, the Marines are flipping out because they got these aliens all over them and these things are crazy. And every time they shoot one acid spraying on people and they've lost like five of their guys already and they're, they're running like hell for the ATV. Game over, man. Game, Game over. over. <laughs> and they're just like shooting up everything. And I think one of the guys sets one of the other people on fire. It's been a while since I've seen it. But it's like that's the kind of danger level because, you know, let's say you got a guy with a flamethrower and he's, you know, he's firing these uh, – these these spiders up. Well, he might not notice that you know you have some spiders on you, and when he fires them up, well, he kind of fires you up too. So where that that attacking berserk rage, you know, you would think, well, that's what I want my character to do because you know I don't want to be you know I don't want to be catatonic or I don't want to run in fear in front of everybody. You can't exactly control that. You might shoot one of your buddies' heads off or set them on fire or blow the whole building up, including yourself. Because this seems like a good idea at the time. If your buddy's between you and the spider and you've got a flamethrower, well, 
you know, you may not consider the fact that your buddy's between you and the and the spider. You're keeping the spider off of you. You just get that tunnel vision where it's just it is you and the source of your fear. And you it's not that you're insensitive to your friend's needs, but right there you it is a it is fight or flight that instant animal or possibly even reptilian mind method of survival. Kill or be killed. You momentarily edit them out of the equation. Yes. What's lacking here, and it's maybe it's something that uh, you know we as game designers should look into, is maybe coming up with something to give people options for their characters. Because like when I play role playing games, like make a fear check. Okay, your character's terrified. What exactly does that mean? I mean, you know, and, and they always go to the default. Oh, he can't do anything, or he runs away. It's like, well, that's great, and that does happen, and maybe that's the majority of what happens. But that's also kind of boring. You should have other options. In D and D, the fear spell causes you to turn around and move away from the the object of fear you know at the fastest possible rate for a certain period of time and then you get to make another check later on to see whether you continue to move on okay that's one way of dealing with it yeah that's good if you are a fighter and you run that's really bad if you are a wizard with the teleport or plane shift spell <laughs> oh where's our wizard oh yeah <laughs> One way of looking at it is is the uh, is treat the object of your fear as performing an intimidation check on you. If you have rules in your game for what happens when you're intimidated, then you can then apply that to that character. Uh, you know. I I may I bring something up, Bruce, about the D twenty aspect of that. I believe intimidate usually you are considered friendly toward that person for a certain amount of time that you will do things to the best of your ability now if you were to use and i think this is in the player's handbook and not in d20 modern demoralize opponent i think that would be the closest that you could do to that which that's just a few minuses and intimidate in savage world just gives you a bonus on attack on the, on the person or if you're in a social situation you've You've, you've intimidated them to, to shut up or do whatever you're doing. You're trying to do in the social situation. You know, we're, we're thinking about you know something like a spider or a werewolf, something you know that's that's basically a straight up monster. But what if you know they have a fear of of arachnids and it's something like loth that they encounter, and you know you do your fear check and you're terrified of her because of the arachnid aspect, and she commands you to do something. Well, you might just do it because you're so terrified of not doing what she tells you to do that you'd be willing to kill your own friends or, or you know, or whatever um, she asks you to do uh, to avoid having to deal with her wrath. So that's where that intimidate could come in handy. I mean, what if the the, the phobia is of some intelligent creature or some intelligent encounter, and you know they command you to do something or. They want to direct you in some in some way, you know. I mean, you've got to think outside outside of just the normal. It's a spider. I'm I'm terrified. I run. Depends on the game system. Some game systems don't have good matches for this. Okay, like say maybe intimidate isn't a good choice. Okay, because that game system doesn't model it that way. Another possibility is is that you treat it as a form of distraction. Some rule systems will give you a mice two if you're distracted to do any number of tasks. Some can be social, some can be technical-based, 
uh, it can be a minus to your defense, a minus to your attack. I mean, it depends on how your system deals with it. And there's things like you know minor uh, a minor distraction and even major distraction. It, it treat the uh, phobia that way. Another possibility is sick. If you have rules about being sick, then you could use those same rules for the phobia, the effect it has on you. It makes you if, it, if your phobia makes you sick to the stomach and you want to throw up, okay, well then start applying those minuses to whatever you know, task it is you're trying to do. Yeah, and there may also be supplements like the uh, basically or add-on, add-on products that, that have rules for those sort of things. Like Savage Rolls has a horror supplement uh, that actually allows you to uh, add an extra rules. I'm trying to find my copy, and I can't seem to find my copy. But it adds an extra rules for frights and so forth. So that... So if you're planning to, if you really are planning to play up the horror aspect, you may want to consider getting a copy of of that, so you can get those extra rules. Oh yeah, yeah. I would imagine uh, any horror specific game would probably have uh, rules you could pull from it to uh, to deal with that. I mean, if you if your game revolves around horror, then then most of them would have to have dealt with that. But you don't have to have a, a horror aspect to your game if you want to have phobia. If you have phobia in your game, it could even be almost comical. In the game, where you know there's something that you're afraid of, and you're placed in a, situ- a social situation where you end up having to orbit that thing and, and go through all kinds of of crazy uh, machinations to avoid it and not let anybody know about it. I mean, it's it's something that can be really used to enhance the role playing if you're willing to do that, and and if the other players are aware of it, then of course it's their opportunity to try to force you into the situation. For comical reasons, okay, you have to be in the right state of mind to do this. Otherwise, it's just cruel. Yeah, yeah sure. And it's, I mean, it, that boils down to your players. You know, how good a pl- how how good a players do you have? If they're really good role players, you barely need any rules for fear. The the game master will introduce you know the the object of your fear, and you'll just play it out. You won't even have to make a role. You know, it, it, you won't have to say, "Well, I want to make a role to see if it doesn't affect me." you know, you're naturally going to let it affect you because that's more interesting. Oh, yeah. I, in my uh, Fringe Worthy D20 campaign, one of my players is playing an 18-year-old escape mental patient, now a telepath, with schizotypal disorder. Now, one of the things that she, that caused this was abusive parents, which the character killed ended up in the asylum, and now she's out. And so when my NPC faked his death and he's become like a father figure... Dana came to fake my death, you know, in order to keep us safe. She just played it where it's a ghost, get away from it. I mean, I mean, she pulls her weapon, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. So the player, you know, just doing a good job with that. The rules aren't needed. You just okay, you go with it. This works. That's just a matter of good player GM rapport or player player. If it's just the two players interacting, yeah, well, that, that's fine until someone goes and fires the flamethrower with your character between it and the object, you know, and you're like, wait a second, you shouldn't have been that fearful of it. I'm not going to have a campaign where the 18-year-old gets a typo as a flamethrower. <laughs> I'm so leery that she's got a gun. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason to have these kinds of mechanics, and that's so oh, yeah, right. that the player themselves can judge how far they should go and how far they will go in order to uh, exhibit or relieve the anxiety caused by this phobia. Using your fears 
having the player place their character into a situation where those fears are invoked when it's a minor fear can be used as an in-game advantage. If you have a game in which you're given peril for placing yourself in peril, which then can be used later on, having a phobia of some kind is a ready way of you going and triggering that without actually having to go out of your way to do to, to find peril. Other things like have plot where you can earn plot points in fate system where they'll they'll pass off you know some of those uh, bennies and stuff like that. If your character has a fear of something and they go ahead and they do it anyways, well that's just a level awesome that most GMs are going to respond and, and reward you for. There's a giant spider out there and you don't want to look at. It. So you get your eyes closed and you got your sword in your hand. And you're waving it back and forth and hopefully you can make a roll. I made the roll. I stabbed the thing. <laughs> Is it possible at all through any means of gaming to, as the story progresses, to remove your phobia? To overcome it, confront it, fight it, and realize, hey, it's not that yeah. bad, and overcome it? Well, that would be role-playing it, but I mean, usually if it's a mechanic where, okay, I've bought this fear and it's given me, it's a minus points for this. Well, with role-playing and the game mechanic, if I earn this many points, I can buy off the fear and I've conquered it. That just depends on the game mechanic again. There's stuff for various systems you can do that. In order to justify the point exchange, you would role-play something, and that's talking with your GM saying, okay, I want to have a scenario where I we go up against spiders. If we win this battle, I can say I finally beat my fear of spiders where it's no longer debilitating, and then with whatever experience I earn, I want to buy off this fear and get it off my character sheet. That's just something that the player and GM would talk. And in the TriTac system, when you got a phobia by going below zero on your... Uh, mental stability. The mechanic was that for every week or day that you took total rest and relaxation, you would get a stability point back. Or if you took went to a, a medical professional and went through a course of treatment, then you would get X number of stability points back. So you could therefore over uh, through the game mechanic, but also through character actions, you could overcome a phobia that was gained, okay, or even permanent. But, I mean, these were usually phobias that were gained as a result of of having too many shocks to your mind and you finally started developing this versus something that was a deep-seated childhood fear. I mean, games like uh, Savage Worlds where your hindrances pay for things, buying it off would probably mean you'd almost would have to... uh burn off one of your um, um, raises, which is basically leveling up your character. Right, but most players are not going to do that because that's going to put them behind the other players. Yeah, so they'll live the phobia. Well, no, the, the phobias are, are there to give you other advantages. You know, I mean, most people take these things because they want something. Okay, so then buying it off later on, I think it only happens when it really starts getting in the way of the character or if it starts undermining the character concept. You know, if you're playing a big, strong, you know, hunky type you know, special forces guy, okay, and, you know, you have this irrational fear of the dark. Okay, well, you know, sooner or later, someone's going to start saying, you know, we really can't bring him along on this mission because, you know, the the sun may go down. 
Yeah, and the berries were run out on his night vision goggles he wears all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a lot when people buy stuff off, it happens because they didn't really count the cost. They didn't realize how much this was going to get in their way, either through just general usage in the kind of game you're playing or in interaction with the other players. I mean, if one of the other players, as you said, Amber, let's say you have a fear of cats, okay, and one of the other players is a mage, and, oh, let me see, I roll from my familiar. It's a cat! Okay, now we've got a problem, okay? <laughs> I mean, because the mage is not going to want you murdering his kitten in its sleep. You're not going to want to have to, you know, run away or take minuses to everything you do every time the, the party mage is around because, of course, he's not going to leave his cat behind. Oh, I mean, no. that's just familiar. It's, it's going to give him all kinds of bonuses if nothing else. It's part of his shtick. Right. You end up this situation where somebody has to buy off their phobia. In, in that particular case, if I was the GM, I would try to... Figure out a way for that person to earn that for free because you're you're essentially forcing this person to change their character to accommodate somebody else's character choice. Use GM make this around say, okay, you want a phobia? Okay, we're gonna change your phobia. You still got phobia, we're gonna you know, I know, you know we're gonna make it something that's not so egregious. Not so, you know, every time you turn around and you, and you see a spider, you go screaming like a little girl down the street. We want to make it something else not so common. So you have a phobia shift. Let's do a phobia shift. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you, you think about it, it's like that phobia affects the other players, but you're getting the benefit from whatever you got for taking that phobia. So your character, you might make up a character who has, you know, who got some really cool benefit that makes him kick ass, but... His phobia hurts everybody, so we all have to pay for that really cool thing that you got that you get to use, and that can be a detriment to the whole party. Right, but they're also gaining the benefit of why you took the phobia in the first place. Well, maybe. It could be self-serving. See, you you decide you're going to give your character a phobia on fear of albinos. One of the henchmen for the major bad guy is an albino. Now you have a plot hook to play off of. If that henchman is semi-regular, like, okay, we know if, I'll use the term from the return of Captain Invincible, evil Mr. Midnight is there, and his albino henchman is always going to be nearby. If you're going to be facing evil Mr. Midnight, then the character with the fear of albinos is going to be like, okay, I'm going to be kind of leery because I know where the mastermind is, the little assistant is going to be nearby and see that that's the thing if you're going to sit there and well okay i want this cool benefit and i want to pick this you know this phobia to offset this benefit it's the gm's duty not to bring the phobia up every single session but enough to make it where okay you're pay you took this phobia fine there is a reason why it is a phobia Every so often, you are going to suffer the penalty of this. You took it. This is not just something so you get a free benefit. You will have to deal with this from time to time. And that, that's just good GMing. That's just If the GM's not going to sit there, and, and I'm not saying push the shiny candy red button like, like Laura would say, but just enough to let that player know, 
this is the price you pay for taking this. This comes up every so often, depending on the context and the frequency of the phobia. It could be that the albino is actually someone the team has to deal with every so often, with emphasis on every so often. And, yeah, during that time, he's really antsy around, because he's there's the albino sitting there, you know, with his pink eyes and his white hair and his white skin, and, you know, I'm not too happy about this. I'll stand outside and wait in the car. <laughs> this is why I prefer phobias that are not debilitating in nature. I mean, totally debilitating. I like phobias that give you minuses because then it's just, okay, it happens. You're in the situation. You have to deal with it, and you take the minus, and you try to soldier through as much as possible. Well, yeah, that that's part of being a hero is that despite your flaws and your fears and you know warts and all, you're still going to soldier on. You're still going to persevere in what you set out to do. The character is still, well, despite it being super-powered or magically enhanced or whatever, is still, or even a different race, human. It is, it's still going to have that psychology where it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have that flaw, which just happens to be a phobia, and you suck it up and you get through it. And and just that's that's just part of the role-playing that makes for a better... Because playing a perfect character is boring as all hell. Well, plus, okay, so so what we're talking about here is that um, you have to have the balance. So if somebody is going to play a character with a phobia, uh, first off, you can't let them have a phobia that doesn't make any sense. You know, like, uh, I have a fear of Nazis from the moon. It's like, well, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to ever going to happen. Iron Sky. <laughs> If you're going to allow them, if you say if if you pick that and the game master goes, okay, yeah, I'll let you have that, then you probably should be afraid because it means that you know he's probably planning on running Iron Sky and it's probably going to be a significant portion of of the campaign at least for a little while. It's like the 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 special ability that's in the hero system. It's where if you lose the item, you forever lose the ability. That is a message. That is a love letter to the GM saying, write me an adventure where this character becomes totally useless right, because you're going to take this away from me. Another shiny candy red button, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this that's essentially what you're saying to the GM. There's no other reason for your... I mean, obviously you want it because there's a, you're getting a huge amount of power for a very small cost, okay? But, it, but in order for it to be fair... You know, you're basically telling the GM, I'm asking you to let me play this character for a while, and then you're going to take him away from me. You're going to make him useless. You're going to, you know, you're going to remove this this huge MacGuffin that's so part of my character concept that I'm going to have to retire this character. That's essentially what you're saying. So if if someone went and said, I'm afraid of Nazi uh, uh, ghosts from the moon, there were gonna, there is guarantee there's going to be Nazi ghosts from the moon in this campaign. There's just no way it's not going to happen. Yeah. Or it's also like if you're playing a, like uh, Incursion or FTL 2448 and you pick, oh, I, I have a fear of cats. Oh, you, you're just asking for it. You're going to have a Kimnar captain for it in your ship then, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Kimnar are the, are the cat, are the, uh, cat people in, in FTL. <laughs> well, I pick a phobia that you can work with, you can live with. So yeah, agoraphobia actually is a, is a, is a nice one because you're outdoors and if you're outdoors, you're not much you can do about it at that point, but it's nothing there is going to come up and jump you in the face and, you know, bite you at least. 
people. Let's say you got a flat tire and you're driving down a highway. You're going to have to get out of the car and go and change that tire, okay, or you're not going to get to wherever it is you're trying to get to. So there's going to be minuses to that repair check because of that. And, you know, and if you play – and if you're – if you have the ability to take a fear that's that is incapacitating like that, well, you know that means that your character, you know, is going to basically have to call somebody on the phone and say, "Hey, come out and get me because I can't get out of this car," and which is okay. I mean, some fears are not are not going to cause any minuses per se, or if they're so crushing, they're going to cause total minuses, and it's going to have to drive other behavior. You're going to have to say things like, well, my character just spent, you know, eight hours laying covered up with a blanket in the back of the car because I was waiting for night to come because only at dark is it dark enough that I can't see how much space there is around me that I can get out of the car and fix it. So I will be able to get back with the team, you know, in 12 or 13 hours, but I, but it's going to delay me until then. I think that's a perfectly valid thing to do. And I think also we need to point out that most games that have phobias actually don't have the crippling phobias. That is, there are people who are agoraphobics who cannot leave their house. Physically cannot leave their house. You have to. You would have to sedate them to get them out of their house. Uh, those, those, you'll never see those phobias in game because, well, they're not fun to play. No, it's right. You, a character that has a crippling phobia, yeah, that that would be a joke character. That would be, you know, the character that, you know, that would be an NPC essentially. That would an NPC level character. I, I can think of one. I can think of one, but it doesn't totally incapacitate him. Uh, but it, but it is. It, you, you talked about knocking him out. B. A. Baracus for for flying. Yeah. In the cyberspace trilogy by William Gibson, the fixer known as the Finn. By the third book, he was agoraphobic, where he did not leave his warehouse home, where. The people had to come to him. But in the first book, he was interacting with people out and about with, with the, the hacker case. By the third book, he was in the, the little, dirty little warehouse that he lived in. And the only contact he had with the outside world was speaking over the intercom to the people that came to his door. Once they came inside, they saw him, but he would not leave his house because his agoraphobia had gotten worse throughout the trilogy. Yeah. And it even said in the third book, oh, yeah, the Finn, he doesn't leave his place now. He's that bad. I had a character who basically, it was an FTL 2048. He, he lived on the Formula space station. He had a fair space flight. And try to explain to him, okay, you live on a space station. You know that. Yeah, don't remind me. But I can't get in spaceships. <laughs> Let's just ask the question, okay, how, how bad can it get before the character essentially you, you know, is you can't play that fear anymore? Okay. I think it really depends on the rule system, uh, how that works. Yeah. I mean, the, a minus four in Savage Worlds is, is pretty bad. So, yeah, if you're going to take a major phobia, you're going to pick something that's unlikely to show up more. Based on the rule of thumb is it may happen once, once every like three or four or five sessions. Well, actually, I, I was thinking more about phobias that you could mitigate in some way. For example, if you have a agoraphobia, okay, where you're f afraid of open spaces, but you can put on a blindfold and people can lead you around, you're now blind. 
so you don't see how big the space is. So that'll allow you to function, but you'll be able to function at whatever the minuses that blindness gives you. Okay, that that to me I, still sounds like something that's workable. It would be crippling otherwise. Okay, but with the blindfold, it's no longer crippling. It's just a, a big minus. I, I'm think I'm just trying to think of other things that you know. How far can you push it before your character no longer can really function at all? If your character, for example, vomited every time that they got too close to an object, is that too crippling? What's too crippling is what I'm basically asking. What do you think, Amber? I think that if your character is physically incapable of participating in a story or in a plot, it has gone too far. And with the blindfold thing, there is a way of getting around your phobias, but it can only work to an to an extent. If you're blind, yes, you can go outside. But if you're blind, you you, you suffer your loss of sight. How can you maneuver around? And I think it would be more crippling to the party because you are now completely dependent on them so that you don't walk into things, that you don't fall or trip or stumble. Well, no, I mean, you would, tr- you would fall and trip and stumble and you would ha- learn how to put your hand in front of your face so you didn't do that. Well, what are you going to do with your feet? Well, you, you, you lift them up and put them down. Okay. I mean, it's people who are blind are still able to function. I, you know what? I, th- I think the, the easiest answer to this is when it stops being fun for the other players or yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really what it boils down to. I think if you have a character that is crippled by all by if something, if you are determined, you can carry something as far as you want to, but. Well, um, if it gets to the point where it's a chore, not just for you, but for everyone else, I think it's crossing a line. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, let's say you, you've got a – your character has a phobia. He has agoraphobia. Let's take agoraphobia. That's an easy one. So he has agoraphobia and he's basically worthless outside of uh, a closed space. So he generally works from the inside of a van or something. Maybe he's the communications guy or maybe he's a net runner. Or maybe that – you know, maybe it works, OK, for the most part. But every time he gets outside of the van – or outside of a house, you know, he's worthless. They literally have to, like, carry him around or lead him around. As long as everybody's having fun with it, I, I, I think it's okay. I mean, but if you have, uh, if you have it where the, anyone, I'm, I'm including the Game Master, the Game Master's like, you know, this is great and all, and, and I'm, I'm glad you guys are having a fun time with it, but it's very difficult for me to Game Master this situation with you all all the time, um, then I think that's where it needs to end. You know, either the game master or, or let's say one of the players is like, look, you know, I'm not enjoying the game anymore because every time I want to run a mission or do something, we've always got this clown, you know, and, and we can't we can't do anything with him. Because in, in real life, what would happen is, is that that character would stop hanging out with this other guy, be like, look, I'm not going to do missions with this guy anymore. He's he's worthless. He's going to get us all killed. Well, yeah, in real life, if you're going to sit there and have a character, let's say a military ops team and you have this character that has this whatever condition it is in like the military they'd yank him immediately from active duty usually on on a psych reason they would be like i'm sorry this man is psychologically incapable of performing his duty and he would be put on you know injured reserve or you know have to be given leave or whatever yeah discharge psychologically discharge so it's like 
they that would usually end up being the thing right there. So and and it does for all it takes is one person in the group, a player or the GM, to just say this is not fun anymore. And it could be just that one player could just you know stop where the phobic character can't be played anymore. It could just be you know Joe who you know plays the 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 gun the combat monster. He may just be dissatisfied with it, and you know that's the end because that after a while ru- that ruins not only player group cohesion but character group cohesion as well, or rather vice versa, not just character but player. And yeah, you don't want that, so it's a fine line. I think you're really kind of you know creating a straw man here. You know, I mean, obviously we're not saying that a player should go and do something that's going to really tick off the other players, okay? I mean, that's just part of the general social contract of the game, okay? Well, right, but I mean, just after a while... But we have, a, uh, you know, a game systems that have the ability to have these things in it, where you have major phobia, or you have minor phobia. Now, if you have a major phobia, it's part of your character. It was built into the game, all right? You should be able to play it. It's, it's kind of also part of the social contact contract that if people are allowed to take them in the game as character generators they should be no you should only want to exhibit them they should be expected to exhibit them yes this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them this is john ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in this is blix don't hate the game Hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction. No derivatives. And sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.